unless you are in for an earthquake, it'd be a whole lot better for us to praise him than to let the rocks cry out. I'd like to take you to the book of Psalms 103 because this gives us a microscopic and telescopic image of God. You know what a microscope does. A microscope zeroes in. If it's strong enough, it can take you to the atomic level. I don't know how they can see that, but if the lens is strong enough, you can see life at a very, very small level. Cellular. You can go at least to the cellular level. The smallest cells and you can look through a microscope and see what's happening on that level. This psalm begins at a microscopic level and then it, it broadens and it becomes telescopic. It leaves the microscopic where you can see things in minutia and then it expands and that's what it means to magnify the Lord whether you do it at a microscopic level when you observe what God is doing how can we withhold our praise if we withhold it the Bible said creation itself will praise the Lord and this week is a week of Thanksgiving and it should be a week of Thanksgiving for our church because as I look around the room there are so many countless miracles that are sitting quietly here sustained by the hand and the mercy of God so we're gonna do this a little interactive we're gonna pause for moments to reflect and give thanks to the Lord we may sing together or just worship but we need to respond to the presence of the Lord not in silence but in adoration let's just lift our hands Lord we love you we know you are here this morning and we have come to adore you to adore Brother Nick said it well when he said, sometimes we just need to reflect on the goodness of God and instead of coming at him with give me, give me, help me, but to stop and acknowledge what he has already done. Amen? Amen. So this psalm begins, Psalms 103, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. So he is saying, the very passion of my being, the soul where I dwell, where the unseen me remains. And we know there are three parts of the soul, your thoughts, your emotions, and your will. It is the one eternal part of us that will remain. The spirit will go back to God, the body will lay down in the dust, but the soul will live on forever. And David said, bless the Lord, O my soul. So he's saying, I want my thoughts to be conscious of God. I want my emotions, my passion. Pastor mentioned a football game. People approve of passion at a football game. David said, I want my emotions to be engaged in blessing God what I feel and he said the reason why I'm telling my soul to do this is there are benefits colon 
That means pay attention because he's going to explain the benefits. And in verses 3, 4, and 5, he explains what the benefits are in serving God, in being in a relationship with him. Verse 3 says, Who forgiveth all thine iniquities? Soul iniquities. I was meditating on this today and I thought... <clears throat> I chuckled to somebody the other day and I said, um, you do not have to criticize me. I will do it myself. I'm very good at it. Amen. Now there's a fine line between checking yourself and putting yourself in check and then being so obsessed with yourself. There are some people that go to the other extreme where they talk incessantly about how bad they are. And guess who's the subject of that paragraph? The Bible says this soul of ours has iniquities. Most of us don't like to reflect on the iniquities we've done. Psalm 51 that Brother David quoted says, My sin is ever before me. This is when David committed adultery with Bathsheba and had her husband killed, who was one of the mighty men. I cannot imagine, yes I can, the guilt he felt for taking an innocent life for failing God, and he said, I failed God. Why would that be such a big deal? I would have said he, he sinned against Uriah, and he sinned against Bathsheba, and Bathsheba's grandfather never did forgive him for violating the sanctity of that home. But the Lord came to David through Nathan the prophet and said, you have offended me, David. I would have given you anything you asked for, and you reached beyond our relationship. And David said, what are you going to do if you offend God? Now, I can offend you, and I can get forgiveness from you, and I can go to God and say, forgive me for what I did to them. But when I sin against God, iniquities. Those are sins against God in any form of sin. And Brother David said, we rate sin, but God does not. And so when we say, purge me with hyssop, and then we come back and David said, I can say this with authority. God forgives all my iniquities. But if you've never felt the weight of iniquity and you have forgotten what it is to feel ashamed and guilty and depressed and discouraged because of what you did, then you cannot appreciate. We're going to stop for a praise break right there. I want you to lift your hands. I, I think that right now we need to remember what mercy did. You cannot appreciate mercy if you do not understand iniquity. But we have a song that addresses that. I want you to listen.
forgiveth all thine iniquities. But there's more than that. Most people don't know why they do what they do. The Bible said, David said, my sins before me. And Paul said, sin shall have no dominion over you. You put a man in the right condition, he'll do just about anything. I'm talking mankind. This is why people have PTSD. Because we're shopping at Walmart and they're exploding bombs and watching things that are unspeakable and it's not a video game. A soul has diseases. This psalm started at the microscopic level. David watched God look down and say, you see all my junk. You see the twists in me, stuff I did. But what about the stuff I can't do anything about? I'm just diseased. Now, unless you believe that your soul is diseased, this doesn't mean anything to you. But I know my soul is diseased. I know mine. I know my own sorrows. I know. And he came down and he touched me. He eased my suffering. I haven't forgotten it. Bless the Lord. Oh, my soul. What's so sad is a lot of people think because they never committed murder that they don't have a soul disease. The Lord revealed to me when I was pretty young that I had a terminal soul illness and if he didn't heal me, I would die. Self-destructing. Say, wow, you must have done bad things. I am human in a fallen world. When I look at him, I don't see you. I see me. This is what he promised. When I'm praising him, he's fixing me. So I just praise him like crazy because I want him to fix me. I want you to sing every morning. One, two, three.
lift your hands and let's thank him right now. Thank you, Jesus, for forgiving my sins and healing my diseases. Yeah, but there's more than that. That next verse says, you may be seated. We're just going to interact without demanding anything from him. Oh, dear. Three conditions at the microscopic level. Full of iniquity. Just wrong. At the chromosome level, I think that means genetic mutations that are going to produce deformities and malformities. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? If David's looking at a microscopic view of his soul, a slice, and he said, the first thing that's wrong with me is I'm just wrong. Yes. Yes. Stuff I've done, I'm just wrong. Yes. Then he says, I'm diseased. A pathologist that takes a slice of a biopsy of your liver or your kidney, and he looks in it and he says, diseased. It's sick. Condition two, third condition. I'm gonna die. Destruction. It is in us to run. You say, I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't cuss, but I exercise. I vomit. I'm in control. I control me. Do you know what that does to your body when you don't eat enough and you exercise too much? I'm going to be in control. One extreme to the other. Drink, smoke, promiscuous affairs, it's going to destroy the body. It's going to kill the lungs, the liver. Sexually transmitted diseases, it's going to kill you. Do you hear me? Amen. Who redeemeth thy life from? Say, Janice, you were raised in church. Until I met God for myself, I was as destructive as any sinner who has never darkened the door. It's not in our nature to live moral, clean lives. We were born with death in us and we walk in death until. You thought I was worth saving. Hey! So you came and changed my life. You thought I was worth keeping.
condemn people who drink and smoke and do drugs. You may be seated. I know what's driving them. Sick. Sick. Until you can't live without it anymore. Just sick. That's the microscopic level. Looking for love in all the wrong places. Driven. Not led by love. Driven. We see them everywhere in celebrities. We see they're driven, searching for the one thing that would take them back to the source and looking for it in every way except the one. Is not your body crying out. It is your soul. And David said, you pulled me back from the brink. And then he gave me the gift of the Holy Ghost and put me in a church that I can hear him talk me off the ledge three times a week, Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday. Let me talk to you. If you'll just stay with me, I'm going to come get you. And if you get old and I lay you to rest, I'm going to wake you up. Just walk with me. Would you lift your hand and thank him? We have a shepherd. We're just taking some time to tell him how precious he is. We've got thousands of prayer requests. You heard them this morning. But how many times do we just sit down and go, you're amazing. Thank you. Who redeemeth thy life from destruction then the next verse says who satisfies your mouth that's the hunger first he's got to deal with the sick you know he's got to deal with the issue the iniquity because you can't even feel him if you feel all covered up you know what sin does to you? It deadens you. It's like a callus over the tender place where you should feel your conscience. And he said, I got to get rid of that because you can't even feel me until I deal with your guilt. So he forgives. Perfect. Won't help if people do it because you and I are intelligent enough to know that people are just like you and me. We need to go to a place that's perfect. And if perfect can forgive me, I can forgive myself. And he did. Then he says, your disease is going to make you ache. It's going to make you act crazy and stupid. I need to heal your soul diseases. You inherited them when the devil penetrated the relationship I had with Adam and Eve. And he filled them full of cancer. And you can't see nothing but darkness. There's no such thing as optimist pessimist. They're just people trying to deal with their own personal pain. Bless the Lord. Oh, mine he said when I take care of you at the microscopic level I forgive your iniquities I heal your disease and I'll pull you back for the break you got to cut that out Amen. then I'm going to give you something good I'm going to satisfy your mouth you ever heard people cuss They're not saying it to be funny. They're mad. Why are they mad? The three things are working on them. The iniquity, the disease, and the destruction. But when they open their mouth, what comes out of it is what's in them. And he said, I'm going to give you something sweet. I'm going to let you taste what kindness is. I'm going to fill you up with truth. I see you how you are, but you don't have to run from me because I have the power of life and death. And if you'll come to me, 
I'll forgive you. I'd rather you be honest in your filth than lie about where you are and try to wrap yourself up when I can smell you before I see you. I have learned with the Lord that it's far better to tell the truth. Even when it hurts. Sometimes I have to whisper it. Sometimes I have to think it. Sometimes can't even speak it. I'm so ashamed of my response. Why? Because he's been so good. When I come to church, I don't hear about how bad the world is and how awful people are. I hear about how good he is. And my mouth. And instead of looking at other people and cursing them, he's been teaching me since I was a child, you bless people that curse you. They're just like you without me. Don't curse. Because that curse is going to come back on your head. Speak peace. Well, how can I speak peace when I don't have any? Open your mouth and let me give you peace. Who satisfies thy mouth with good things. You know why we go to ladies prayer every Tuesday? Because every, every Tuesday he shows up and tells us something new. And we all walk out of here. Ten pounds lighter and ten years younger. Because in his presence there's no age. There are no impossibilities. Every time we're with him, we see him as he is. And it makes us young again. It makes me feel like I can run through a troop and leap over a wall. And even though my circumstance hasn't changed, my hope has. It's full up again because, bless the Lord, oh my soul. So he makes me young again, even though I got more of this and things are happening in my body. He renews me every day because he talks to me through his words. Again, talking me off a ledge. Or he'll give Pastor 42 slides and I have to think about them. And I have to chew them up again and again and again. And it keeps me occupied so that my natural, negative, nasty self does not view my life from my disease, my iniquity, or my destruction. I just see him standing there saying, it is well. It is well. And then we march the aisles and people are saying promises while they're walking and I'm like, we can do this? Where'd you get it? He's been satisfying my mouth so that what goes in it is what's been coming out of it. Promises. Promises. Hope. Victory. Glory. Where'd you get that? He's been feeding it to me. And I'm repeating it. Verse 6. Suddenly the lens widens. Brother Matt, I don't know if you use a microscope at work. In my mind, I have a vision of you looking at a microscopic level. And all of a sudden, David goes, what about other people? <laughs> now we're getting big. The Lord executes. I don't know if he was thinking about his mama when he wrote this and he was thinking about how oppressed she was or if he was thinking about how his brothers made fun of him all the time. But when he finished saying, you satisfy my mouth, then he said, there are times when I need an advocate. 
when people press me down. God, let me tell you what you do. You execute righteousness and judgment for people who are oppressed. That's the little people that wait in line hours at the BMW because nobody will come by or the whatever it was. Yes, the Bureau. And sit for hours while other people just walk ahead of them. And they sit there meekly. The ones who get taken advantage of. The ones who the IRS man is coming for when they got just a little old bitty thing and maybe they made an error. I'm not talking about people who are liars and cheaters. I'm talking about the meek of the earth who get done dirty all the time. The Lord said, I myself, son. Do you know what it did to David? who was cast down by his family. He said, they have afflicted me from my youth. And Joab made reference to him and said, David, all your troubles that you've gone through from your youth up are nothing compared to what's happening to you now because of Absalom. So I know David had a history as a young man of struggle and suffering. And God, David saw God, God, you, you helped me. You did right for me when nobody else would. You did what was right. And when nobody else would help, please, somebody help me. Can anybody help me? He said, Lord, you came down. I don't know if you've ever had that happen to you. But I have from my childhood when there was no one present. Mom and daddy weren't there. You say, Janice Showstrand, what kind of life did you lead? I led a God-blessed life. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Did I have trouble? Don't you know how I know all of this? Because I have been oppressed. I had somebody come to me one time and say, who are your friends? Being interpreted, how did you get here? I had someone actually ask me at an event, how did you get here? Now they said it in a certain context, but I knew who was talking to me. The enemy who said, you're not good enough, you don't have enough, you'll never be enough. How did you get here? And Zechariah spoke when the enemy stood in front of Joshua, who God had picked. I guess all y'all think you're awesome so you don't ever think of yourselves in filthy clothes being a leader. But I identify with the man who was told, go get those people right and ready. And he was standing there covered in filthy garments and the devil stood there and said, look at it. That's what you picked? Oh, so inadequate. And he said, be quiet. The Lord rebuked thee. That's a brand pulled from the fire. I pulled that piece of wood from the fire. The char still remains. The place is where it was burned. Take away those clothes and put something new on it. And Jesus found me. And he sent redeemed Redemption when my very life was in danger. I told you about the time they were going to cut my hair off and beat me to the ground. I didn't know how to fight, but the Lord executes righteousness and judgment. And little quiet Elizabeth, who was the math partner, grabbed hold of the other girl's hair and she let go of mine. And somehow, I don't know how, 
I heard a voice. Y'all leave her alone. The Lord, close your eyes, put your hand on your heart. Have you never seen him do that for you? I feel sorry for you. You must have been all that. Hey, hey. He reached down for me. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Oh my soul. Maybe you've always been most popular. Worship his holy name. Sing. Sing like never before. Sing again. verse says, and I'm coming to a conclusion. I'm going to get down to 11 and then I'm going to stop. He made known his ways to Moses. Everybody looks at him as the prince of Egypt. That boy didn't fit in either group. He was a misfit from the time he was born. His life was in danger and his mom and daddy put him in a basket and Pharaoh's daughter picked him up. And he found out that the woman that nursed him was a slave Jew. What does that do to your identity crisis? And the woman that put him to bed at night was a princess of Egypt. Who did he belong to? The prince or the pauper? Moses was oppressed from the time he was born. Born a slave, raised a prince, called of God. You know how bad Moses' identity crisis was when God said, I'm going to use you, boy. Moses said, who am I? Please just tell me who I am. I don't fit. I am a misfit. And the Lord wouldn't answer him. He said, I'll be with you. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. David said, look what he did. Look what he did. He picked up Moses, the misfit child, and showed him. Moses cried, just let me see your glory. I didn't ask to lead these people. I can't bear their burdens. Just show me. Come stand by me, Moses. Call to me, and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things you know not. And we're getting ready. Oh, we're going to have Thanksgiving, but in January, this church is going to pull back and we're going to do 40 days of fire. What are you doing? I'm looking for you. It's not in the turkey. You're not in the Christmas tree. You're not in the presents. You're not in the carols. I'm going to start 2022 again the way I have all my life. I'm still looking for you. His acts to the children of Israel. That means that one at a time, he'll get as close to you as you'll let him. He'll show you why he does what he does. And then as a group, he'll perform. If you've had a miracle this year, I'm going to call you out. I know you have. Brother Tracy, would you just lift your hand in the back there? It just does me good to see you. Lele, raise your hand. You're as much of a miracle as he is. Brother Tim? Raise your hand there. Look. 
He walked in here. Brother Tim, every time I see you walk in, you know what I'm looking at? I'm looking at the acts of God. I could call every name in this place and say, I have seen God work in you and you and you. I'm looking and it's feeding me. Next verse. Oh, here we go. The Lord, I'm off me now. Did you notice that I'm not talking about iniquity anymore or disease or destruction? I'm not talking about my old life because guess what I have discovered to replace? It's all about me. Suddenly, it's all about you. I see you, Jesus. You're amazing. I'm off me. The pain has stopped long enough I don't have to think about me and my issues anymore. You're merciful and gracious, slow to anger, plenteous in mercy. Go on. Uh Uh-oh. I've also seen this side, that voice. You can do better with that. Stop. Go. He will not always chide. Can God get angry at me? Yes. But he won't keep his anger forever. What are you doing? I'm enlarging my view of him. He's not just to plug 50 cents in, come to church, sit for an hour and a half so you can say you did it. He's real. He's a consuming fire. He has emotion and passion. He has pleasure and disfavor. And I'm getting a picture of him while I'm praying this Psalm 103. I'm finding things out about God I never knew before. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Next verse. Oh dear. He hath not dealt with us after our sin. I look down and go, God, you, and I've told him that you should have killed me a long time ago. I know what sin is. I've done at least I don't know how many where I should have been stoned. Are you shocked? Guess what? So has everybody in this house. The standard of judgment is not me against you. It's us in front of him. He hath not dealt with us, nor rewarded us according to our name. Next one. Whereas the heaven Look up. Now take the roof off the ceiling. Now look up into that sky. And just tell me how far heaven is from this floor in this sanctuary. You can't even measure it. Now he could have said anything about that distance. But you know what he said? He said, I want you to know You know I'm going to be angry. And you know that I'm going to chide you when you do wrong. But what I want you to know about me, if you're going to measure me, is not my anger, but my mercy. Close your eyes. As the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him.
Hallelujah. If you have something just to be thankful for, I want you to come join us.